our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to take a pause uh, from our study in John chapter 3. We'll resume next week, Lord willing, and we wanted to just take a, a, a Sunday and just really focus on the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. We're going to see in our study today, first of all, Thanksgiving in the United States of America. And so it's good to know the background to it, uh, to be honest. And then we're going to see in the second part of our study, uh, just the word Thanksgiving in the Bible. And so last Thursday, we had um, a great time. Friends, family came over, food, fellowship, always a blessing uh, for me. Did you guys have a good one, a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Cool. I I pray you did. I I know Thanksgiving is usually good for almost everyone except for the turkeys. Uh, They say uh, 44 million turkeys are consumed on this day in this country. And so I'm just curious, how many of you had turkey? How many of you had turkey? How many of you don't like turkey? You're like, no, I won't eat it. Okay, so some people don't eat it. They're like, if I eat it, I fall asleep. <laughs> How about ham? How many of you had ham? Pumpkin pie? Not as many. Mashed potatoes? Okay, I was just curious, all right? And how many of you gained like three pounds during that process? You know? <laughs> you know, I was actually doing some research on it, and in the past, I'd always heard that you're going to gain like five to seven pounds over the holiday season, and then some said that's a myth. I don't know um, what's true for sure. I do know that if I'm not careful, I can definitely gain some weight uh, during that season. And so don't let that stop you, though, from celebrating um, and don't let anything stop you from giving thanks. Now, there might be some of you here today going through really, really difficult times. You're like, God, I don't really like what you're doing in my life right now. And you're like, so I'm not going to thank you now, and I'm not going to thank you here. And so that's why it's cool to be in Ephesians 5, because look what it says in verse 18. It says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or a wasted life, but be filled with the Spirit. And so when you're drunk with wine, you're under the influence of alcohol, and uh, it makes you do things, uh, tends you, inclines you to do things that are, that are not right, that are not normal. Uh, Paul here commands you not to be drunk with wine. It's just a wasted life. But on the contrary, he says to be filled or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, in one sense, not to sound weird or anything, but to be drunk under the influence of God, you know. And as you're there, look what happens in verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord. You know, I, I want to encourage you as you're filled with the Holy Spirit that you are a, a worshiper, you're a singer. You know, as we come on Sunday mornings or whatever the time is, maybe at home you're listening to the worship songs, I want you to just sing. I, I pray that the, the air would come out of your, your mouth because I believe there's power in praise. And so whatever you do during that time, I know it's tough because sometimes the enemy wants to distract us. No, focus in, sing those songs. It's so cool what God does. As you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you have that understanding of the reason that you can sing. And as you're singing, there's a lot of thanksgiving going on. Because look what it says in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're giving thanks for all things, when and always. 
You're, you're constantly doing that. You know, and I know for some, that's like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that I got to thank God for this and this situation that I'm going in? And, and I want to encourage you, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this trial. Thank you, Lord, for this challenge that I don't understand because I know this. I know you love me and I know that you're working all things together for good. And I know, Lord, that um, in this battle, there is a blessing, that in the pain, there is a purpose. And I even know this, Lord, that the greater the battle, the greater the blessing, because I know how good you are. And so when the enemy comes in and people oppose you or whatever, life uh, has its way of uh, kicking us, man, right there and then, thank the Lord. Because what that does is it shows your faith in God. You know, Lord, I know that you have a plan. And so what you do right away is you begin to thank the Lord. You know, sometimes people, they lose that heart of gratitude because in one sense, they're not counting their blessing and they're not understanding who their God is. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's a connection between the word think and the word thank. They're actually uh, from the same root word and the etymology of the language and so when you're thinking about God, when you're thinking about the fact that he's going to take this and use it for good somehow, some way, then you can thank him. When you think about what Joseph went through in the book of Genesis and how he was you know, sold into slavery and there he was put in prison and you're thinking, but look what God did. It took uh, 13 years, but God raised him up. When you're thinking, then you're thanking but I think a lot of times we don't take the time to do these things that we're commanded to do in the Bible. When you have a grateful heart, when you have that attitude of gratitude, you're going to be a happier person. Did you know that? That's what they, they tell us. They say that if you have an attitude of gratitude, that you're healthier, that you're mentally stronger, that you're emotionally and spiritually stronger. They say that if you're a grateful person, that you, should, you even have more friends because there's something about that that is life-changing. So no, no matter what happens, the enemy comes in and boom, he hits you in the face. You're like, Manny, I'm supposed to thank God for that? Well, not necessarily for that, but in your mind, you're saying, but I know that God is going to take this. I know. And he's going to use it for good. Because like I said earlier, wherever there's pain, there's going to be purpose. And where the pain is great, the purpose is going to be great. And so we have to know that God doesn't necessarily author those things, but he allows them for something that's going to be so significant. And so right here, in case you're here and you're like, no, not now, I'm not going to thank God for the situation that I am in. He says right here that we are to give thanks always for all things. He says the same thing. If you want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, And I think these are kind of connected. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Rejoice when? Always. Pray how frequently? Without ceasing. And in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I tell you what, you guys, um, every Sunday we do a study. Man, we just think, Lord, um, how can these people benefit from this? I pray that they would be blessed. I pray that they would be touched by the Holy Spirit. I pray that when we come to church service that we would have 
an encounter with God. I, I tell you, like, we get dramatic, and those are the, the aspirations that we have, but this really is a life-changing study, I'm telling you. You know, when something happens, and this is what you do, thank you, Jesus. Mark says it, and he, you know, but you do it all the time. Good things, thank you, Jesus. No matter what, thank you, Jesus. And when you start doing that, I tell you what, it changes things. You know, I, I was thinking, Lord, how can we cultivate, you know, a life because we're so busy? How can we cultivate a life of thinking so that we can be thanking? And really what it is is you have to carve out some time. You know, I was even thinking, and this sounds like my, 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 my sound dorky to you, but I was thinking, okay, Lord, maybe um, there's a certain time of the day that you can just section off like five, ten minutes, and I'm just going to sit down and write down on a piece of paper or my phone or whatever it is what I'm thankful for, things that I'm thankful for. It's life-changing. I was on the way in today. I just looked through all my music, and I typed in the word thank or thanks or gratitude, and I came up with all these songs. There's one by Nicole Norderman. It's called Gratitude. Or one by um, Terry Clark, uh, Thank You, Jesus. Uh, one by Chris Tomlin, Thank You, God, for Saving Me. One by Matt Redman, Thank You for the Blood. I mean, when you just, when you, you just focus, Lord, I'm going to cultivate a heart, an attitude of gratitude. It's not just thanksgiving, thanks living. It'll change everything. And so what we're seeing right here in 1 Thessalonians, Ephesians, no matter what we're, what's going on in life, we thank the Lord. And that right there might be what you need in order to change your life. Because it just it changes the perspective. It's not easy, but it's important. It's good to give thanks. I was even thinking about an occurrence this last Thursday in Thanksgiving, something I think we can all relate to. Uh, there is a, a little boy who asked for water, and I, and I gave him a bottle of water. And mom was watching the whole thing, and then she said to her son after he received the water, what do you say? And the little guy didn't hesitate to say what he'd been taught to say all his life, thank you. And with a big smile, he, he walked away. And afterwards, I thought to myself, you know what? It's good when someone takes the time to teach us to be grateful. So thank you, moms, who do that, right? And it's good when we're reminded to be grateful because it's bad when we're not. William Shakespeare said, how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Imagine if your kid wasn't grateful for all the sacrifices that you've done all their life. Or imagine it worse than that, not just your child, what if the church wasn't grateful for all that Jesus has done for us? You know, we don't want that. And so we want to be able to say every day, thank you, Lord, that that would be a way of life. We have to be aware of uh, being bent by entitlement. You know, that's really the world that we live in, the kids of our culture who consider themselves to be inherently deserving of privileges and special treatment. I don't need to say thank you. You owe it to me. I deserve that. When the truth is, you guys know this, right? What do we really deserve? Judgment, huh? I know that about me, and I know that's what we read in the scriptures. And so we are not entitled, we're blessed, and we have to cultivate a heart of gratitude. And so you ate turkey, you had some ham, pumpkin pie, right? You celebrated, so let's do some contemplation. First of all, the holiday uh, Thanksgiving in the United States of America. 
uh, where did it happen? When did it happen? Why did it happen? Who of Thanksgiving? Uh, we have these questions. Um, most of you probably know the first Thanksgiving took place in Plymouth, Massachusetts. It's a place that eventually became known as America's hometown, ironically enough, where New England was first established. And so they landed eventually on Plymouth, Plymouth Rock. They uh, left Plymouth, England, and they started this uh, city, this uh, uh, establishment in Plymouth, Massachusetts. That's what they eventually ended up naming it. This small ship, uh, ship called the Mayflower left England carrying 102 passengers. Many of them were Christians seeking a new home where they could freely practice their faith and they set sail to the new world. And when you look at where they came from, you wonder, well, why did they come and when did it happen? And if I were to name two years, you guys, that you might want to remember, I would say 1621 and 1863. 1621 was the first Thanksgiving feast that took place with some say up to 80 Native Americans present. Now, you got to understand the, the way that this all transpired. You know, when you look at the feasts of the Old Testament in the Bible, we have reasons for them. You know, the reasons for the feast of Passover and unleavened bread is because God brought them out of Egypt. You know, the reason for the Feast of Tabernacles is because God sustained them for 40 years in the wilderness. You know, the reason for the different feasts that you have, the Pentecost, is because that was when they brought in the harvest and it was basically an acknowledgement of God who had provided for them. So for us, when we're celebrating holidays, uh, it's important for us to know a little bit of background of why we're eating 44 million turkeys. You know, why do we do this? Well, we go back to 1620 when they left Plymouth, England, and they traveled 66 days to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and they landed there, and life was hard. It was hard, you guys. You know, by the time they reached the first winter, 44 of the 102 had died. By the time they reached the first spring, half of the people had died. There was disease, there was scurvy, there was a, a lack of food. There was rationing to each day. They were limited to five kernels of corn. Think about how difficult that must have been. And so, you know, how are they going to survive? How are they going to make it through? Uh, God's providence brought in an Indian, a Native American, Squanto, taught him how to plant corn, taught him where to fish, taught him where the beavers were, where they could hunt. And eventually they made it through a year. And by the time a year had transpired, they found 20 acres of land that had been cleared. And man, God bless them. And so they had that first Thanksgiving feast in 1621. And they were grateful to God. You know, sometimes you're not really grateful for things that you have that you're with unless you've gone a season without huh have you guys ever noticed that you know i i know this is kind of a silly thing but when we go to cambodia i've been there like seven times one of the things that i miss when i'm in cambodia is uh is paper towels because you can't find them anywhere you know and so they don't want to waste and so they're limited in resources and so believe it or not when i come home and i rip off a paper towel every single day 
I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for that paper towel. You know, in Cambodia, it's rather hot and humid. Amen? I mean, it's pretty bad, right? And so, you know, when you go out into one of these Southern California days, anywhere between whatever, 65 and 80, 85, you're like, man, what a beautiful day this is. Why? Because you have been in remote places of the world where it's not like that. And it's even not like that in many parts of uh, the United States of America. But when you are, you know, you've been exposed to it like every day, a lot of times you are not grateful for what you have. And so going back to the first, you know, Thanksgiving, you realize where they came from and what they had. You're fine. Okay, this is where this is rooted, how God had provided for them. And so, you know, you go through the years and you have different presidents making Thanksgiving declarations. But it wasn't until 1863 where Abraham Lincoln made the one that would stick that determined the final Thursday of November to be a day of thanksgiving. But did you guys know what was going on during that time? Most of you guys probably know, right? But just in case you didn't, that was during the time of the bloodiest battle on American soil. It was right smack dab in the middle of the Civil War. And here's Abraham Lincoln declaring a day of thanksgiving. Now, when you read the declaration, and I encourage you to to read it, it's amazing to me. You know, because if he wanted to, it it would be just completely easy. My country is divided to focus on that, right? But man, when you read what happened, what he did is something that we all need to do. We need to lift up our eyes. We needed to lift up our eyes. And he, uh, in the declaration, he just said, you know, we need to thank God for the blessings of fruitful fields and the healthful skies, the way that it had rained on the country, that they were so constantly enjoyed and prone to forget the source from which they came. He wanted to thank God for this ever watchful providence and the peace that had been preserved with the other nations because that could have been a threat or the order maintained or how the laws had been respected and obeyed and how harmony prevailed everywhere else, how the acts had enlarged the borders of the settlements and the mines and the wells and the coal of precious oils yielded even more abundantly than heretofore, how the population had steadily increased. In other words, what he did, and this is the heart, the root of this holiday, is he took his eyes off of the things that were negative and he put his eyes on the things that were positive, the way that God had indeed blessed the nation. And you can do that with anything that you're going through. You can do that with anything. You know, I've been thinking, I know a lot of you guys have probably experienced the passing of a loved one. And I was just thinking, you know, about my dad. I was like, wow, Lord, you know, why did you take him? Why was it his time, you know? And if I wanted to, I could just focus on that. But then there's the option of looking at, you know, the things that God did that were great even in that. My dad's in heaven. My dad's in heaven. My dad got saved, you know? There are certain things about his life, you know, and even just this, you know, thank you that I had him for the amount of time that I did. You can always take whatever it is 
And if you look at it through the perspective of the Lord, you can thank him. And I'm telling you that as we're eating those turkeys and we're eating those pumpkin pies and we're having that ham and we're having this holiday and all that kind of stuff, you know, this is what God wants. This is really the heart of that holiday. I believe that God is sovereign in the United States of America. And although the Thanksgiving and Christmas are not in the Bible per se, that God in his sovereign providence said, no, I want you to do this. It is an opportunity for us to draw near. Not only that, something interesting in Abraham Lincoln's declaration was he said it's also a time not just for thanksgiving, but for repentance. That our nation, because of the sins that we've committed, we're going through the things that we're experiencing. But if we turn from our sins, God can actually bless the land. And so when you read the proclamation, to me, I just think it's so beautiful how our president directed our nation to thank God. And I believe we need to do the same no matter what it might be we're going through. The words thank you, they're deeper than we might realize. Right now, what are you going through? What's going on in your life? Can you say thank you? Say it. You guys say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You're like, Manny, you're weird. I know I'm weird, but... You've got to thank the Lord for that, you know? <laughs> thank you, Lord, that he's weird. No, I'm just joking. You know, uh, whatever it might be, say it. We're going to see later that, believe it or not, just saying it, just saying it from the heart is really primarily what God wants. What are you talking about, Manny? Well, maybe it would be like this. Let's just say I gave you, it was your birthday, and I gave you $100. Okay, and you'd be like, yeah, he's my friend. But let me ask you a question. Would you then say, well, I need to give you $100? Well, you gave me $100. I should give you $100. I don't think so. I don't think so. What kind of relationship is that? What, what kind of relationship is like, well, that's just like, well, you give and therefore I give. And No, God's not like that. God's just like, besides, you can't outgive God. God's going to bless you. He's going to lavish you with his peace and his joy and his love and his provision. He's going to blow your minds with his plans that he has for your life. You can't, you know, equalize that. All he wants is a heart of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to see, yeah, that does flow into other things. But if that heart is there and it's something that really only God can see, then it is life-changing you will be happier. You will have more friends. You will sleep better. You will probably benefit physically, mentally, and emotionally if you can take whatever it is that life throws your way and thank God. That's how huge Thanksgiving is. You know, we have to know these things, the root of that first Thanksgiving in the United States of America. And then we need to know this word Thanksgiving in the Bible. And so the word thanksgiving is found 34 times um, from Leviticus 7, 12, all the way to Revelation chapter 7, verse 12. Now, when you read the Old Testament regarding thanksgiving, it's interesting kind of the way that it works. Like, Lord, how do I give thanks to you? How, how do I really do this, Lord? I mean, I, I will say thank you, and I will mean it from my heart. I mean it, God. Thank you, Lord, for 
my salvation. Thank you for my family, Lord. Thank you for my friends. Thank you because you've never failed me, Lord. Thank you. You know, and there is that aspect of saying it, but in the Old Testament, there was also ways, I think, that show us how it kind of plays out. Number one, in sacrifices. In sacrifices. You know, you read that in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 12. You'll read that in Leviticus chapter 23 when they would offer the sacrifices to God. And so let me ask you a question. What's a sacrifice? What's a sacrifice? A sacrifice is when something was you, were, you took from yourself or you denied yourself and you gave it to God. You gave it to God maybe through someone else, but you gave it to others. That's a sacrifice. And so, you know, the Lord will show you how to do that, how to say no to yourself and how to say yes to God. That's an act of gratitude. Those are the thanksgiving sacrifices found in the Old Testament. Another thing we find in the Old Testament are songs, songs. So there are sacrificial songs that we read of. For example, in the book of Exodus chapter 15, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were set free from slavery in Egypt And they went through uh, the Red Sea. And you guys might remember, they got to the other side and then Pharaoh's chariots and armies, they came and followed after. And then God just brought the water down and drowned them all and defeated them all. And right there and then they saw that victory. And you guys remember what they did in an act of gratitude? They sang songs. You want to be grateful to God? You want to show you're grateful to God? Then let him lead you in the sacrifices that will be offered. And let him inspire you in the songs that you'll sing. You know, as we're doing worship and wherever you're at at home, I'm telling you guys, because I know some of you guys are probably better at this than me because you're, you're able to focus more. But when I'm there and they're doing worship, the enemy's hitting me with all these different thoughts. Hey, what about this and that? And, and you're not, sometimes you're not focusing on the words that you're singing. And even there, it's a battle. It's a battle. But I always come back. I'm like, no, no. I am going to sing these songs and I'm going to mean it from my heart and I'm going to sing it to God. And I, don't, I might not sound good. I know that. I don't sound good. But I'm going to sing this to God because I am grateful to God. And there is power. There's power when you sing those songs. And so we have the sacrifice. We have the songs. Those are the couple of ways in the Old Testament we see gratitude was expressed. And then the third thing is we have the celebrations. The celebrations. And so when you look at the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Pentecost, which was when they would gather in the crops, the Feast of um, Tabernacles, um, what you'll find is that those were all celebrations, feasts, where they would thank God for what he'd done. You know, and so we can, we can actually do stuff like that. You can have sacrifices. You can have songs. You can even have celebrations. Do you guys remember what happened in Luke chapter 15 when the prodigal son came home? You remember? He threw a party. It was a celebration. You know, and you can do that maybe with your friends. I'm just saying, you know, like you invite them over and you just say, hey, let's grub. Let's, uh, man, uh, celebrate. And then you just give the reasons 
that you are so grateful to God. It doesn't just have to be on Thanksgiving. And that's what we see here in the Old Testament. You know how God blessed these people and how they were grateful to him. When you read the Old Testament, you see the Thanksgiving Psalms that are packed there in the Bible and how God had done amazing things uh, for the Israelites. But what I want to focus on today is the New Testament use of the word thanksgiving. And so let's look at some places beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Because this is such a huge topic of saying, I want to be grateful to God. I want to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. I don't just want to do thanksgiving. I want to do thanks living. I believe this can be life-changing for me. And so the whole Bible is filled with a ton of things. But what I thought I could do today is just go over the New Testament places where the word thanksgiving is explicitly used. And we'll just kind of take those things in. Uh, from the Lord. So the first place we read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, notice what it says in verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with what? Thanksgiving. So I know I just jumped right into it, but what Paul is writing to Timothy about is about how these guys were getting legalistic. They were forbidding people to marry. They were making all these laws and saying, hey, you know, you can't even eat these foods. But the, you know, the law of that dietary kosher stuff had passed. And Paul is saying, no, that's not true. As a matter of fact, you know, you can eat, it says right here, to be received with thanksgiving, It says in verse 4, For every creature of God is good. Nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So number one, something to think about when you're reading the scriptures, we are thankful to God. We give thanksgiving for food. Amen? How many of you guys like food? I'm just curious. Any foodies here? (laughs) I tell you what, man, um, I, I, I have to admit, I, I love food. Um, that's probably why God gave me 10,000 taste buds, you know. Um, when you look at it in context, number one, he's saying there's no more moral restriction. No more moral restriction. Thank you, Jesus. I can have sausage. I can have bacon. It might not be good for me, but every once in a while, I can. I can have hot Cheetos. Amen? No more moral restriction. Number two, God's gracious provision. Where does that food come from? Where does it come from? Does it come from dad? No, even though I'm the one or whatever, mom went to the market, got the food. No, does it come from Costco? No. Does it come from uh, the job that you're working at? No. That food right there on that table that you're about to put in your mouth and in your belly comes from God. And, and when, it's so beautiful. Every time we eat, we pray and we give thanksgiving. And right here he says, if it's received with thanksgiving, oh man, this is, that's all that's necessary. No more moral restriction, God's gracious provision, and God's creative sensation. And, and that's part of how just, man, how good God is. 
You know, the fruits and veggies. A lot of you here are healthy, right? I'm so proud of you. Man, and we need to probably eat better. But then there's the treats and the meats and the chips and the dips. And like I said, the hot Cheetos and the cold stone. Ice cream, pizza, peanut butter, Snickers, and such, right? And we enjoy it. And, and as I do, I'm apologetically saying, thank you, Lord. When we give thanksgiving and as we're praying, it's amazing how it even says right here, it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And what that means is that this food is now set apart as divinely intended, as a gift that is being received with due gratitude from God's own creator hand. Did you know that when we're in the marriage supper of the Lamb, did you guys know that Jesus is going to be our server? Can you imagine that? Wow. Well, in one sense, he is our server now. He's given us that food to bless our life. Okay, Manny, I know you like enchiladas. Here you go. You know? (laughs) And then, boom. It's amazing. So number one, for food. Number two, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, in this section right here, Paul is uh, encouraging the Corinthians in their giving because the saints in Jerusalem had become extremely poor, the Christian Jews, because of the persecution they were experiencing. And so Paul would go to all the different churches and get a collection uh, to help the people. And so he's encouraging them to be generous in their giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 10, it says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, which is God, may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many, there's that word, thanksgivings to God. And what's he saying? He's saying that as they were giving financially, then they took the gift to the Christian Jews in Jerusalem, that those Christian Jews were thanking God for what they had received. And so there is the thanksgiving for food. And then then secondly, there is thanksgiving for help. Thank you, Lord, for providing for our needs. I was even thinking, uh, uh, you guys today, if there's anyone here who is going through financial difficulties, and I think there are probably a lot of you, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, you're living paycheck to paycheck, and it's tough uh, sometimes. You know, um. It's amazing to me how a a local supermarket said, hey, we want to give you food cards and you can can give them to whoever needs them. And so I want to tell you guys, if that's you here today and you're going through hard times, let us know. Or maybe you know somebody who's going through hard times, let us know. We would love to bless them with a $50 food card and that might make the difference that they need to make ends meet You know, because gas is going up, everything's going up. And so, you know, we get to give you a food card, but it's not from us. And it's not from the supermarket. That food card is from who? God. 
It's from God. And when you get that fruit card, you thank God. Because He will provide for your needs. And He will bless you. And this is why we thank Him. There's thanksgiving for food. There's thanksgiving uh, for help. Uh, Thirdly, in 2 Corinthians 4.15, look what it says right here. Paul the Apostle is writing to the Corinthians and in this section of the book, he's telling them about the sacrifices that they need to make. Um, We talked earlier about being a servant leader. He says in verse 12, So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing this, that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that grace, there's the word, grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving, there's that word, to abound to the glory of God. And and that's just the church. Paul is saying we have to die to self so that Christ might live. We are servants for the church. And as a result of that, what ended up happening is people ended up getting saved. They ended up experiencing the grace of God. And so there's thanksgiving for food. There's thanksgiving for help. There's thanksgiving for grace. How many of you guys here today, I'm just curious, are thankful for grace? Grace. What is grace, you guys? What is it? It's the way that God blesses our life even though we don't deserve it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. That's how you got saved, by grace. We deserve hell, he's given us heaven. And not only that, even as a Christian, we we fail. I don't know about you, maybe you're trying to hide it, maybe you're trying to present some type of front that says, well, I'm a perfect man. No, none of us are. Paul the Apostle, as he continued to live his life, he ended up growing in the understanding of the wretched man that he was. You know what he said by the end of his life? You want to know what he said? This is what he said. I am the chief of all sinners. That's us. That's me. The, more, the closer you get to God, the more you realize how far away you are. And we fail, and we blow it. We say things, we do things, we don't do things. We just, man, and things happen, we fall. I was talking to someone the other day, and they told me I I fell, and my heart just went out to them because I could tell the enemy was trying to beat this person up. And I said, yeah, but you want to know what Romans 5.20 says, that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I'm not saying what we sin lightly. I'm not saying that we mess around. But I'm just saying that you just lift your eyes to the Lord and he forgives you and he restores you. And he just, man, there's no such thing as a second-class citizen in the church. And we are, we just give thanksgiving for that grace. You know, without grace, you're going to have a legalistic relationship with God and you will never have joy. Never. 
It's not until you realize I can't earn his love. I can't earn his favor. He just is in love with me. I'm his favorite. It's not until you come to those places where you'll be set free. I thank God for his grace. You know, I know there are sins that disqualify pastors, and I'm not talking about stuff like that. But man, we fail every day. Sometimes people come to church and they're like, man, I don't even know if I want to be there. Because all these people, they're like perfect. No, they're not. Just look next to you right now. (laughs) We're not. I thank God for his grace. Paul wrote to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And as I pray, and you know, when I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm thanking him for his grace to forgive me of my sins, I'm also asking him for grace to help me overcome. So we are thankful for the grace. The next thing we read as we go through the scriptures here is in Colossians chapter 2, which is really like the vessel of grace. Go to Colossians chapter 2. And in verse 6, Colossians 2 in verse 6, it says, As you therefore have received who? Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And so this faith that we have is rooted in him. It's rooted in Jesus. And so, you know, we're thankful for food. Amen? You guys, uh, you enjoy food? You enjoy steaks and burritos and all that kind of stuff? I was asking someone the other day, and I, I just, I don't know, you learn more as you go through life. Why do I like burritos so much? And I think it's the texture of the tortilla. I think there's something about that, you know? Isn't it just amazing, all the different nuances, man? And we just enjoy it. We're so thankful for it. Thank you for food. Thank you for help, Lord. There have been those times, and just you showed up. Thank you for grace. Where would I be without, you know, that grace? And then right here, we get to the heart of it. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. You know, that's the one who gives us grace. So we have that acronym, G-R-A-C, God's reward at Christ's expense. How many of you are grateful that the Father gave the Son? I'm just curious, man. And in Him, all our sins were laid on Him. You know, I don't know for sure if everyone here is a Christian. Maybe someone invited you today. Maybe someone somehow dragged you to church, you know, and you're here and you find yourself you know, not really knowing all, all that's going on. And, you know, you're trying to figure things out and what are they saying? And, you know, there's a, a lot of times you go to church service and I'll be the first to admit because sometimes I don't even understand my own studies. You're like, uh, what, did, what, what was that all about? <laughs> what, what was that whole talk all about? Well, if you didn't understand anything else, this is the one thing that is the most important, the only thing you need to understand. Jesus. There is power 
in the name of Jesus. You will be saved if you call in the name of Jesus. You'll be forgiven. You'll be set free. It's got to be something that only the Lord can do as he communicates to you something as simple as that. And the Bible says that if you confess the name of Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're not saved, if you're here today and you haven't yet made that step, I, I beg of you today, just not a religion, not complicated, just Jesus. Come to him today. See, we're thankful for food. We're thankful for help. We're thankful for grace. We're thankful for Jesus. This is the New Testament use of the word thanksgiving. And then we close with a couple of chapters, uh, Revelation chapter 7, if you want to turn there. It says in Revelation chapter 7, 11, that's easy to remember, huh? 7-11. <laughs> Revelation 7-11. It says, All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. This is this amazing scene in heaven. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom. Thanksgiving. There's that word. And honor and power and might be to our God for how long? forever and ever. Amen. You know, we're going to spend the rest of our lives all the way through eternity with simple gratitude. You know, for all these things, for food, for help, for grace, for Jesus, forever because of what he's done. It's going to be amazing when we're there in the throne room. I want to close with a couple of passages as far as like, well, okay, how, how do we, you know, express gratitude to God? Philippians chapter 4. In verse 6. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So how do you show gratitude? Like, how do we do this? We talked a little bit about sacrifice. We talked a little bit about songs. We talked a little bit about celebration. But honestly, I think probably the main way, in all honesty, is just prayer. When you're praying, you know, you just spend some time thanking him. You know, because I think that if we have kids and you give them something, and you know, you're not expecting them, you know, oh, hey, Dad, here, let me give you $20 for that. No, if they just say, thanks, Dad, man, that makes your day because you know that they appreciate it. That's what we see. When I pray, there's only three things that I do, to be honest. Number one, I confess my sins. Number two, I... I um. I forgot, no, number two. <laughs> there's, only, there's only three things that I do, so I've got to remember this. Number one, I confess my sins. Number two, I ask for help. I ask for help. And then number three, 
I give thanksgiving. And that's adoration. That's worship. Believe it or not, that's how I simplify my prayers. And as you're thanking God, you're going to end up worshiping God. And that's what he says right here. When you're praying, you give thanksgiving. He says the same thing, and this is the last passage, in Colossians chapter 4, in verse 2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Right? And so you're thankful for all these things. How do you express that gratitude for God? I think uh, a large part of that is basically us thanking him as we pray. And what is prayer? Just talking to God. You know, you guys can actually do that right now. Um, You can say, thank you, Lord. Uh, What are some of the things that you can thank him for? Thank him for the things that are obvious, things that are good. You can thank him for salvation. I always thank him for my family. Thank you that I have a church that I belong to, that I can serve in. Thank you, Lord. Um, And I I think I've told you guys before, I always thank him that he helped me fall asleep. He sustained me while I slept. He woke me in the morning. The sun's shining. The world's spinning. The air I'm breathing. The heart's beating. I actually go through that every single day. We have so much to be thankful for. And so, you guys, I want to encourage you in that. I want to encourage you to know that when you cultivate that attitude of gratitude, then, um, you know, life, life is different. Happiness, friendship, peace of mind, physical health, benefits are amazing. We just have to be proactive in doing this. How many of you today, I'm just curious, how many of you today can say, thank you, Lord, for my salvation. Amen. How many of you can say that? Let's tell him that. And if you can't, if you're here and you're like, I don't know if I'm saved, then this is what I want you to do right now. I want to ask you a question. Are you a sinner? I know you would say yes. Then you need Jesus. And right here, right now, let's settle it. Let's settle it. Wherever you are, let's settle this right now. Because there's no formula for being saved. There's no formula. There's no magic prayer. But in your heart, right here, right now, this is what you do. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for me. Say that to him. Come into my life. So if you haven't done that, 